it was too hard to access the idea of the moment that she would leave us that I don't think I had any imagination about it, but she did. I said, cause of death, magnificence, because that's truly what it was. When I watched her leave, I was like, holy shit, she could not have stayed here any longer. For me, that is a grand exit, like that people are there bearing witness to your final breath. Hey, this is Grand Exit, conversations starting conversations about living, dying, and living on. We're sharing real talk on the life-death legacy continuum now, so we don't wait to the end to talk about what matters most. Enter here if you intend to be remembered. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Grand Exit, the podcast. You're here with Tamitha and Chelsea for a deep-diving conversation with Court Fuller. Court, who uses the pronouns they, them, is a total badass who graduated from UC Berkeley charged up to pursue a career in fighting corporate power. Court's also my sibling, (laughs) Samantha's dear friend, and someone who inspires us to waste no time being completely who we are. Court's non-binary, and they tell us their journey to continuously explore their transness makes the possibilities for life and so for death and beyond so expansive. They're the best. And we're so excited to share them with you. In this episode, you can expect to explore imagination, how bearing witness to a good death inspired court to live more fully in their body and so much more awesomeness to inspire a more self-directed life. Come on, let's dive in. Through these conversations that we have at Grand Exit are hoping to inspire people to live fully and that it's our point of view, our opinion, that by having a good, strong relationship with your own dying and the dying of the people who you love, you can inspire a strong legacy. So today we're going to talk about the imagination to live and die well. And we want to ground that in real life example, that it's easy for us, I think, to sit here and talk about like, oh yeah, this is important to do, this is important to do. But we also want to give you examples of how people are doing it in real time, in real life. And when we were thinking about who does this really well, it's of course Court. And I met Court and I at Camp Powerment when I first met Chels. And I think it was like the second day of camp, I went up to you and I said, so, you know, I'm dying and I have this child who is remarkable would you be her guide for the rest of her life? I knew that the spirit and the fullness and the richness and the courage and all the light that you bring to your living and to the living of everyone who knows you, I knew that my daughter needed to have that in her life. And so um, I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. And thank you for allowing Harper into mine. It's been such a dream to be able to kind of have this intergenerational friendship Um, also rooted in queerness that has been um, so filling for me too. What makes you feel most alive? Definitely dancing. Mm. Yeah, definitely dancing. Dancing was actually always the one place where I felt very at one with my body. And now I've realized that I have done really good work on getting to know myself because I'm I'm feeling the way that I feel when I'm dancing when I'm not dancing and then extra when I'm dancing 
So it feels like I'm like able to kind of get to this euphoric state sometimes that I didn't ever think I was able to get unless I was. Um, but then I think in, internally and I'm like, I think I am dancing, not always, but there are so many times when I am tuned into like my unique alchemy, my unique heart, the, all of the things that make me me. I love my gender. It feels like a kaleidoscope. It, there's so many colors. Like I feel so grateful for it. And I think in that experience of myself, I feel like I'm dancing. When I am present and not paying attention to the news, then I feel like I'm dancing. <laughs> Do you remember what I said at her funeral? Yes and no. <laughs> Remind me. I said cause of death magnificence because mm -hmm. that's truly what it was. When I watched her leave, I was like, holy shit, she could not have stayed here any longer. It was abundantly obvious. Say more about that. Like, what was it exactly? I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking I've never witnessed in real time the death of a person, like when they took their final breath. And my sense is few have that the majority of, unfortunately, that's unfortunate. For me, that is a grand exit, like that people are there bearing witness to your final breath. I think imagination means that you can, I think that you get to imagine how you want that to go. So for you, for me, like, you know, that's a loss to not get to you know, it's, it's such a gift to get to bear witness to that. For other people, it's creepy. It's weird. Right, I don't want to do it. Right. And that's that. So it doesn't fit within their imaginations. No imagination needs to be confined, but it is unique and it is personal. So yes, I think we share that. I don't know that I would have said that before witnessing Grandies. I don't know what I would have said, but I, it was too hard to access the idea of the moment that she would leave us that I don't think I had any imagination about it. But she did. <laughs> she was very clear from the more mundane, tactical, I want to die at home. That was a that was a must-have. I want to die at home. And what it meant to die at home was she lived in a two-story house, so she was going to be in this corner. Like it was, there were only so many unless you were dying in the kitchen. Like there was a corner of the house and being surrounded by family. Anytime we left, it was when are you coming back? <laughs> so, you know, being surrounded by family was very much part of her imagination. And then it sort of rolled out in real time from there. She had been a member of a synagogue for decades. She had a special relationship with the rabbi. So it, her imagination started to crystallize into action when it was like, when Grandy dies, we go home, family gathers, the rabbi comes. And then I swear she took the rest in her hands because that created the space for her to start to soar we were we knew her okay we know her favorite songs we know she loves music she wrote our family stories i actually put it in our altar over there but she wrote our family stories into little like anthologies that she called glimmers and they are so imperfect which is amazing but she bound them which meant they were done like if they were perfect fine if they were imperfect fine but they are bound and she gave them to us as gifts so they were to be read and so we read them to her and so you know all you know where where her creativity kind of hit the pavement was like okay it's time to start giving her back the gifts that she she cherished that she gave us and we knew how proud she was of them so that's where it's like when you can even if you skipped having conversations about in the moments that i die here's what i want when you live out loud 
and share your stories and share your friends and you call each other, whether it's your blood relatives or a family you choose, honestly, no matter. It's whatever is a product of your imagination. And hers was so clear that she had handed it off long before she was dying. And so we were holding it. So I know we don't want to dive so deeply into everything about Brandy's death, but I think it is important for viewers to hear a little bit more about how she died well. What was it about Brandy's death that made it grand? Grandy is my grandma, our grandma, and she had a pretty epic life and a pretty mind-blowing transition into whatever was waiting for her on the other side. And there was very apparently something waiting for her on the other side because how marvelously she did pass. And so instead of alluding to it, court, (laughs) what happened in Grandy's final days uh, that we were able to witness together as a family? Even though at the time we obviously wanted her to hold on, I feel so blessed that she was fully in control of her own death. When I think of bodily autonomy, I was so amazed at how she was not interested in anyone else's opinion about how she was going to go. And she gave us such a gift by orchestrating and self-directing her death in a way that would allow us to see her fully more than we ever had before. Later in Grandy's life, she was living her, her fullest. And I think being able to witness her live so fully and then leave so gigantically had me wondering, how did she get to know herself so well? And it made me wonder, like, what don't I know about myself yet that would keep me from having something like this in celebration of my life, which started a whole slew of questions that led me to um, where I am now. Where is that? Present, for one, not disassociating, witnessing Grandy leave her vessel. I thought that I was going to, like, not feel like I had some sort of relationship with that body anymore that she left. But it was totally the opposite effect. I definitely had so much appreciation and love for her means of being with us in this lifetime through her body. And it had me wondering, like, am I intimate with my own body, with my organs, the things that allow me to be in the space with people that I love every time I show up? And the answer was I, I wasn't asking. I never had asked that. If you're listening, have you asked Have you asked yourself? Like, <laughs> it's a good question. It starts with the simple question of just yes. who are you? And then having that be the only question. For a long time. And then COVID created space for me to sit with that. And then in sitting with everything pieced together in a way that allowed me to have more of an integrated identity so I could show up fully and more at ease. And that allowed me to see that I am very clearly non-binary. And and that's um, what I'm hoping to be able to inspire in other people who haven't yet been able to separate themselves from the fear that is everywhere and say, I want to just do some exploration, some self-exploration and see what comes. You said earlier that part of what Grandy experienced was because she knew herself so well. How do you think she did that? How, what does that process look like, do you think, for Grandy? What was it that she did differently than most or that you had, hadn't done up to that point? She had a remarkable upbringing, and we weren't there to witness that, but I know that must be true because they reinforced the, that little bit of magic in her 
as she grew. And but she wasn't an only child and she was very different than her wonderful brother. But the imagination that she brought with her and the creativity and the appreciation for imagination and creativity, she brought that with her. She loved understanding outlets and exploring outlets to express herself and explore that expression in so many ways, right? She called herself a bibliophile. She was a creative writing teacher in schools. So in many ways, I think she taught children how to create, how to dream outside of, it was like narrative or expository writing. And she was like, this is just writing. And I think she gave that gift to a lot of young people. And through Camp Powerman, I think she gave the gift of exploring, re-exploring imagination in adulthood through journaling, through writing. And she certainly gave that to her friends and family. And, and so I think a lot of her self-knowing came from the willingness to continue to explore through creative outlets. Yeah, Grandy journaled almost every day. And I think for people who do journal, I think it's pretty clear how much of like intimate process that is. There's a reason why some people don't feel comfortable with other people reading their journals because it's so personal. And I think spending so much time with the pen for her allowed her to create a vision for herself that she lived into and um, grew into. So much so that I think she outgrew her body when she did. I think important context for this is that when I came into this experience of Grandy leaving, I was like scared out of my mind, not only to lose my best friend, but also like the permanence in my head, the permanence of losing her because I, I did not yet believe in my life that there was such thing as after you leave. And I actually called my best friend, Bianca, who lost her best friend and her grandpa. And so I called her and I just wanted truth. And I said, like, are you still with him? And she said, yes. And I was so happy to hear that because we hadn't really ever talked about our views on that yet. And I was so also so happy to hear that because I was so ready to shed that fear because it was obvious to me in front of what, me what was happening. Grandy was leaving her body for 72 hours. She took her last breath 72 hours after she started this process that we were witnessing. But because we were watching the like slow departure or ascension it seemed um, there was so much like going on in her eyes that it was hard to believe that like a light was going to go out. It felt like it was kind of just like the light was going to grow. We had a moment, Court and I, we're, we're very connected as siblings anyway. We definitely are very connected and have so many you know, interconnected memories and great times as people who love one another do. Uh, but I don't, I can't say that we've had a shared, like meditative, transcendental moment um, until Grandy was dying. And we were honestly like rooting for her out loud. Like you can go, we were giving her full permission. We weren't really sure what she was holding on for. She was taking morphine. And when someone is dying, it is a very physical act. And um, it's your body shutting down and it's like shutting down a very, very large venue. It's like one light at a time and one very large room at a time. And even though her body was so small, there must have been a lot of rooms. And 
it was like one thing would stop working and our Aunt Jody's such an incredible caretaker and just Aunt Jody was putting lotion on her and you know her her skin was not really even working anymore like right, right. it is it was, it was it yeah. was it was yeah. definitely like it was very physical and um it actually strangely wasn't it wasn't gross but also I I will say like it was unlike anything I'd seen before you know and but her eyes were open a lot of the times and she couldn't she couldn't really speak or she couldn't speak. She could not speak and she wasn't very focused and her eyes were flitting about. And in some moments it felt a little creepy. It just didn't look like her eyes. And then there would be moments of like very clear. And there are plenty of scientific explanations for this. I'll give that caveat. So everyone choose your own adventure. <laughs> we choose this one. <laughs> we choose imagination. But it felt All so aboard. powerful. And in the moments we'd be like, and then we knew we would choose something special is happening because what's the difference, right? right? Like right. what's the difference? We, something scary is happening. Something special is happening. The end result is the same. But and she made up her mind it. regardless. It was not up to us anymore. She had autonomy over her body, period. And yeah. that was so clear. And, and it being up to us was actually cruel. Like us deciding, no, let's fight more. Like she was done. Like she said, take me home. And, and so it was. But Court and I are sitting we were all taking turns, our cousins, our aunts, um, our mom, our grandpa. We're sitting at, it's probably the middle of the night, but it's time and see episode two. And we're sitting at Grandy's bedside and we're both on the same side, close to Grandy's head. And we're like, you can, you got this. Court called Grandy chicky. We're like, you got this chick. Like, you can go. Like, you got this, you got this. And her breathing was start, starting to match kind of our tone and we were like okay you got it like go to the finish line it's okay like you can go and court and i started like rooting her on kind of like as like, if she was like running away go chicky go chicky go chicky go go chicky and our cousin grant was just watching us just staring at us <laughs> he didn't talk the whole time yeah that's grant mm. he has quiet power mm. grant's the one to watch <laughs> and court and i were you know rooting her on and then we weren't talking outside of engaging with Grandy. We weren't having side commentary. And what happened? We truly both saw and thought and felt. And because honestly, like when you see something, it becomes real regardless of anything else, which is such a beautiful way to live. As we were both experiencing this and looking in her eye, I was thinking in my head, like, I know Chelsea's seeing this too, even though it's wild. Like, I just know. And she was. And so which, what I, when I say seeing this, her eye um, pupil was like getting further and further away. And we both felt like, um, without communicating this, but we we did a little debrief after. While we were laying on the pavement in front of the house, just being like, "What, what just happened?" Yeah, Sorry, we fell neighbors. to the we fell to the ground because we just felt like completely. Um, we just witnessed something supernatural that was the most natural thing ever, which I'll return to in terms of what that has to do with my gender, because it has to do with my gender so much. We both were like thinking that we were getting her to to finally let go because she seemed like she was. Her eye was telling us she was there. Her mom was here. And then she came back. We both saw our great grandma at the end of a finish line of like a race of a half marathon or a marathon or something. And we both had that image. And at the end of it, it, it seemed like she disconnected from where we were going with it. 
to go check it. And it seemed like she was done. She was like, okay, now stop. Stop cheering me on. I will tell you is sort of how it felt. But Court and I look at each other like, whoa, our cousin Grant is like, what the actual fuck is happening here? <laughs> <We're> just, <laughs> like, what is happening? And um, yeah, we just, we went outside and we laid in the driveway and looked up and we would sort of, we all kind of moved. We had a rhythm and um, we all kind of moved through it. Someone would say their goodbyes. We had three days of goodbyes. So at the end of it, it was like, what do you need, girlfriend? Mm, He's like, goodbye. We right. love you so much. You can go. It's okay. Right. But our cousin Spencer would meet us on the driveway to be like, all right, what's the latest update? What wild thing have one of us just, has she given us, right? Like, have we just gotten to experience? It felt pretty incredible when we weren't speaking. We all were communicating around the pillar of Grandy's dying body in our home. Again, on paper, totally bizarre. Like nothing we would have been like, wow, that will be special. We're like, oh, that sounds horrible, really terrible. Of course, you know, hospice came and took the body when she did go and um, it didn't even feel rushed. Like, oh my God, there's a dead body in our house. It was like, thanks vessel for holding Grandy. The sheet was over her. And um, and <laughs> someone was driving on the street in like a Prius or a Camry. And my cousins were like, oh, the car is here to get Grandy. They're like, no, 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 no. An Uber doesn't pick up a body. Like, no. I'm going to need a different car than a Prius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to come pick like, me this up. This is not how this goes. But we just, after that, after the moment that she did finally go, there was so much laughter. There was so much laughter. We'd been crying for three days in all fairness, but there was so much laughter and so much togetherness. We, it was difficult for a full week to go anywhere without another one of our family by blood or choice. My mom's best friends were there. We just, everyone just went into mode and no one ran an errand alone. No one had to make a decision alone. And we were able to laugh and start to look back on like the complete cave that was surrounding Grandy in the final days, yeah. I want to build the bridge to sort of what this means for the living now, after Grandy's grand exit, you alluded to sort of what that experience meant for you and your own sort of exploration of who you are, your gender. So talk a little bit about that, Corp. There were so many things going on in my body when she left, but one of them was, I think, how unfamiliar I was with mine in a way that made me understand my past so much more and like really feel for my childhood self because I am blessed with a family that allows me to be who I am. And still, there was so much fear projected onto me from society that it still wasn't enough permission. Witnessing Grandy take total control of her life in her dying days made me not want to wait any longer to do the same for myself and my living. So in that way, her dying enabled me to live. We got to be born into a really loving family that has that is willing to have a more expansive purview on life. They didn't arrive with it, perhaps, but they're willing to learn from court. <laughs> they're willing to learn from each other. 
um, and teach at the same time. And not, not everybody is born into that. And, um, and that sucks. And if that's you, I'm sorry. And you deserve to hear, I'm sorry. Also, you should know your people are waiting for you somewhere. And so it's, and it, in some ways it is better to have just you when you know yourself than to have the toxic people who tell you you're not allowed to rip up your permission slip that it took you a lot of strength to create. It's been really hard to not explain my way into this existence. Not thinking I need to do that has been such a gift because it feels like a battle that I'm never going to win if, it's, if I'm waiting for someone else to understand me. Being more compassionate with ourselves allows us to be more compassionate with everyone for sure. I've always been someone that's been trying to work on the things that need to be done, but I didn't realize like I was skipping the foundational step of getting to know myself and love myself enough to not project fear outward, be love and um, treat myself with the kindness that I treat other people or that I fight for other people to, to have. And um, I think I do think about how it is a bummer that Grandy's not here to like use my pronouns and know me as my most embodied self. And I know she's witnessing anyway. And also, I'm so grateful that, you know, our des descendants and our family, like, will be able to not have the gender binary be, like, the only thing that they see as options. And I'm excited about how that lesson is going to help heal our lineage. I think there's so much to be gleaned um, in how we approach, think of, even slightly consider the fact that our time will end at some point and other people's will begin on the, in that same exact moment and we might know them and we might not know them. And then those who we do know, they will have another chapter or sub chapter begin because we died, right? And what, as much imagination as we can pack into that transition is as much imagination and then exponentially more that we can pass off in the handoff between our living to our dying to our living on. And that's the power that legacy can have because it's not just that our grandma died and we had an impactful experience. That's personal. And that really was amazing and very life affirming for us. We don't have to share that. We don't have to share what we experience. If someone thinks it's totally bizarre, I don't care. <laughs> That's okay. I hope that listening to it can motivate them to find something that brings them as much affirmation and inspiration as our grandies transition gave us. I hope that their relationships can be enhanced by the end of someone else's chapter that can be the beginning of whatever their next one is. And so I think even if the whole conversation idea concept of someone's dying is not for you, it's there, it's real, it's there for you. <laughs> and what can you get? It's not what's the silver lining. It's not, it's not that. It's a totally different thing. One thing happens and another thing has the potential to be different because of it because it can't be the same because someone's not here anymore. <laughs> Dynamics must change. It takes someone dying for someone else to live. There's always going to be tragedy in the person who died not getting to experience you living. Full stop. Yeah, Full stop. <laughs> that's, that's all. It's, it is. It's, that's, yes. 
It's I identify. Yes, I identify with that. Yes. When I think of living life without you, when I think of living life potentially without any of the people I care about, I want to cry hysterically. Not I want to cry a little or I get a little sad. I want to burst into tears. And so sometimes I just let myself do that. You bet. I (laughs) cried in the car on the way over here, truth (laughs) be told. We don't have time for this today, I know, in this episode, but I think compassion for ourselves and, and our physical selves, our body, is something I definitely want us to talk about because as a person with cancer, I have this really funny relationship there with my body and that all of the warrior and war speech around cancer does not resonate with me. I'm not at war with my body. I'm not, I just can't be. I love my body. Do I wish I still had two boobs? Yeah. (laughs) It makes clothes fit a little better. (laughs) The grass is always green. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But I I hear that so deeply, Court, just that we have to, coming at all of this from a a place of compassion, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of it with ourselves is paramount, Um, especially if that's what we want to bring to the world. You can't have both. You just can't. You can't hate your body and then say that you're trying to bring more love into the world. What happens after you die? So I think I have no idea. And I know it's so much based on what I witnessed and based based on what I want to choose to believe, because I don't want this like wild and precious life to end when I do. Thank you, Cora. Thank you. Thank you both. We'll be right back with the rest. Inspiration for living from Matters About Dying. So we would love to share with you a poem by Mary Oliver called Next Time. Next time what I'd do is look at the earth before saying anything. I'd stop just before going into a house and be an emperor for a minute and listen better to the wind or to the air being still. When anyone talked to me, whether blame or praise or just passing time, I'd watch the face, how the mouth has to work and see any strain any sign of what lifted the voice. And for all, I'd know more. The earth bracing itself and soaring, the air finding every leaf and feather over forest and water, and for every person, the body glowing inside the clothes like a light. Thank you for listening to Grand Exit. If you're enjoying exploring the life-death-legacy continuum, come back to keep diving in with us here. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Instagram. We're grand.exit. And sign up for our newsletter at grandexit.com slash newsletter. And most importantly, share. Please do share this by starting a conversation about life, death, and legacy with someone who matters to you. There's so much waiting for you there. 
Join us every other Thursday as we bring death to life for those who intend to be remembered. Catch you next time. If you're exploring your gender and seeking support, check out Shandies. Shandies is a former professor of gender studies and a life-affirming coach who I couldn't recommend enough. They're also my dear friend. You can find them on Instagram at Dee's Talks, D-E-E-Z-T-A-L-K-S.